It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. We are back in action today, one 408 7669 Not good news for the president's approval rating. Gallup says 43%. And a Pew Research firm comes out and says, hey, young voters, he's lost 14 percentage points since July. For Latinos, 16. For African Americans, 18. It's on pure performance. Pure performance, not circumstances. That's key. So I want to take your calls on that. Maybe you disagree. Mike Pompeo will be with us. Uh, he'll be talking about what's going on beyond our borders, including what's happening uh, with this uh, German election. It looks like Merkel gets uh, rejected, not resoundingly, but again, like everything else in a Western democracy these days, too close to call or so close, uh, a lot of angst on both sides. And then we'll talk most importantly about Afghanistan as uh, we still have hundreds. No matter how many people we pull out, we hear there's Hundreds, about 100 people left in Afghanistan. Is that really true? And this is the week where General Milley, this is the week where Secretary of Defense Austin will go to Capitol Hill and finally answer for one of the worst moments in American military history, leaving of a war 20 years in the making. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Starting today, all New York State health care workers must have at least one dose of the COVID vaccine or risk losing their jobs. Meanwhile, today's vaccine mandate for teachers and other Department of Education workers in New York City is on hold after the mandate was blocked by a federal judge. Yeah, massive vax mandates may sound good to a president whose patience, to quote him exactly, is running thin. As of today, we might be seeing massive firings in thousands of medical workers, cops and professors in some states, including New York and Massachusetts. They're prepared to fire them because they don't want to take a shot. Isn't there some type of middle ground here? What a mess. Number two. Pelosi <clears throat> says that she's bringing the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan bill, to the floor of the House tomorrow for consideration. Are you going to vote for it or against I, it? I don't believe there will be a vote. I mean, the speaker, You don't think there's going to be a vote tomorrow? I mean, the speaker is an incredibly good vote counter, and she knows exactly where her caucus stands, and we've been really clear on that. The too. votes aren't there. She's not going to The votes aren't there. The squad not going along with the $1.2 trillion bipartisan kind of, infrastructure package. This is the week we learn if the Dems are going to get their socialist dream, spending from cradle to grave, tax increases, and militarizing the IRS. Are the Republicans truly helpless bystanders and are the, as the minority party? And how is the Virginia governor race? How What does that tell us about the state of affairs in America today? We'll look at it. Number one. Of the 17,400 that weren't deported back or didn't return on their own to Mexico. How many have been released into the U.S.? Uh, they're released on conditions, yes. and, and uh, approximately, I think it's about 10,000 or so, 12,000. Have been released? Yes. <laughs> How about a lot more? How about you You look like you're lying? No horsing around. Mayorkas may be, have a bigger mess at the border than anyone thought. 
possible, and massive caravans are on the way. I'll detail it. His farcical responses and staggering numbers of illegals, let alone in America, just another reason to believe that Joe Biden picked the wrong people and has the wrong policies for this country. Remember, when it came to Afghanistan, uh, according to a a couple of books coming out, including Bob Woodward, who the left loves to laud because they go after Republicans like the guy named Richard Nixon and like this guy named Donald Trump, came out and said, Milley, Austin, and Blinken said delay when it comes to leaving Afghanistan, okay? We're going to hear more about this shortly. Then, when it came to the border policy, they started talking about what Biden was going to do day one in office. And a lot of people recommended on his staff, his allies, his people, said leave some of the Trump stuff in place because we don't want a mess on our hands. And he said, no, it's toxic. We're going to get rid of it. And now we have record highs of illegals. Now, Mayorkas wants to make everything seem like business as usual. Hey, everybody, you know, we have surges 2014, 2008, and 2000. No, no. The numbers are through the roof. I was surprised Chris didn't have them handy, but he gave him a hard time, and I appreciate that because he made him actually answer questions. Before we get to the horse situation, which is handled so miserably by pre- the president, by the vice president, and by the secretary uh, of Homeland Security, I want you to hear Mayorkas try to justify some of the things he's doing. Um, Cut one. So the performance of Border Patrol is the subject of an investigation, and the facts that are adduced in that investigation are going to be determinative. But I think the entire American public um, correctly and necessarily Mm -hmm. uh, were horrified by what the images suggested. They conjured up uh, such a dark past that we have not entirely put behind us. Did President Biden go too far when he said those folks were going to pay? Are they guilty before uh, before their investigation? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, the investigation is independent. We know how to conduct an independent investigation. I think the president echoed the sentiments of the public in terms of what those images suggest. Uh, no, he doesn't. That's your idea of the people you hang with. But those images suggest law enforcement Border Patrol needs horses to rescue people and stop people because you won't put up a barrier. You won't set up a virtual wall. You won't do anything. So instead of talking to them first and understanding that the people who even took the picture said they were whipping no one, they were corralling people and stopping them from coming in the country the same way downstream they're saving people. But what you did, got rid of the horse patrols, put the guys on desk duty, and then just vilified him by saying they remind you of slavery. Maxine Waters, you expect that type of idiocy. The Homeland Security Secretary, who asked the Border Patrol to work 18-hour days, seven days a week for the last nine months, should be smarter than that, but he is not. And for him to say it's an independent investigation, the President of the United States saying those people will pay, uh, that defies logic, too. We all know better. President of the United States just put his hand on the scale, and we all know that happens. And really, you're going to put do an investigation, and you're not going to condemn him? I thought Jake Tapper did a good job uh, when he followed up with him. Listen to what he said in the same situation with the horses cut seven. Some of the initial descriptions of those images were just patently false. There's now video out there that provides more context. Uh, having seen the video, uh, are you certain that there was actually wrongdoing? I am going to let those investigators make that determination, and then that determination will drive the outcome of the investigation. I've worked very closely with the men and women of U.S. Customs and Border Protection for many years, many, many years. 
and I, they are heroic, what they do. And I saw their heroism displayed in Del Rio, Texas, last Monday when I was there on the ground. And that is emblematic of who they are, their commitment to this country. The nice words you said about them, you should probably share with President Biden, not just with, uh, not just with me today. Uh, are you surprised? I was so surprised. Right, uh, Allison? I mean... You know, I heard that live, too. I wasn't too surprised. Jake Tapper will push back sometimes when... Military you know, and law enforcement. Exactly, when it's so egregious like it was last week. I mean, it's unbelievable. You you got these guys who are sitting there on debt. They're forced to grab these people, process these people. Then they had to let them go into the country. They got to put them on buses. And they're told the ICE, you know, basically they defanged ICE. They defunded ICE. So basically they have nobody even backing them up and hunting down the terrorists and criminals that are getting through, and the drugs that are prevalent in all our cities, that we see the homeless population. You think the homeless population and the uh, the number of uh, the number of people we see in these major cities aren't linked to the problems of the border? Then you're not paying attention. So before I go too deep into this, know this. I guarantee you if this is not an investigation, they will find that these guys need to be put back on their horses. The horse patrol needs to be going because there's certain things that horses can do, even in, 2000, even in the 21st century, that vehicles can't, especially if you're skilled. And don't tell people how to do their job. While you sit in an office, air-conditioned office in Washington, D.C., you're telling people, like the vice president of the United States is condemning people and condemning the Homeland Security Secretary as if it's their fault that people have images that falsely show that Border Patrol is not treating Haitians nicely. This woman makes one cameo trip to the border and thinks she knows how to work the border. So on what is happening with the 18,000 that run to the bridge and the 200,000 plus that have entered our country and the 1.2 since the president took over into our country, where are they going? Who's paying for them? And who's sending them back? Listen to this exchange with Chris Wallace, cut nine. Of the 17,400 that weren't deported back or didn't return on their own to Mexico, how many of them either, well, first, how many have been released into the U.S.? Uh, They're released on conditions, and and, uh, approximately, I think it's about 10,000 or so, 12,000. Have been released? Yes. And of the 5,000 that are still in process? We will uh, make determinations whether they will be uh, returned uh, to uh, Haiti uh, based on our public health and public interest uh, authorities. So are we talking about a total of 12,000 or could it be even higher? It could, uh, it could be even higher. The number that are returned could be even higher. What we do is we follow the law as Congress has passed it. Uh, hmm. Follow the law means if you come to our border, you get in, you get placed in this town, and you go with a, you go into a city and you fund it or is following the law putting executive orders which the president loves signing out to say we're in the middle of a pandemic nobody's vaccinated nobody's being tested we don't know where they're coming from we have a right to secure our borders the united nations backs that up we will always back that up forget about your huddled masses there's a way to come in the huddled masses and through our southern border uh we, we just i'm just watching griff jenkins right before this show started one of our great reporters on the border had two dozen people from Ghana. I mean, what is going on? Just because you have a big heart, we send money all over the world. Nobody's like, no one can approach America's benevolence uh, and magnanimity and uh, caring and the foundations and the UNICEF program that we fund. 
But it doesn't mean we can fund everybody. Have you seen our books? We're $28 trillion overdrawn because all these social programs, now we're doing it for people that don't belong here. And about what he said of following the law, Tom Homan takes his issue with it. Cut 13. The notice report on the bottom says you are not in custody. You are not in removal. You are not in removal proceedings and ICE will not detain you. You are released. And I've done this for 35 years. The majority of them are never going to show up in court because what, what, what my orchestra failed to say is, well, we're going to trust them to show up in court. And, and let me tell you something. He says they're monitored. They're not monitored. They've been released. They only get monitored once they get in the court. So he sat on Chris Wallace's show and continued his lies to the American people. It's disgusting. Southwest border encounters, 1.5 million. It's over that. 2020, 1.5 already this year. In 2020, 458,000. You think this is cyclical? This is all about who's president. Who doesn't care? And I don't, I don't believe that, okay, are these guys going to vote for me in the future because I let them in. That's even too far down the line. It's not going to benefit anybody in office now. So, plus, if you look at the Hispanic vote, it's tilting more and more towards Republicans. If they have a brain in their heads, if they're worth, if, if they want to earn a single office, they know exactly how to get their messaging out to Hispanics. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of taking pride in your country. Not everyone lives here. You try to get into Japan, Australia. You try to get into France or Germany. They have borders. You try to get into Hungary. They have borders. Why are we embarrassed to have borders? Why is that even political? 2006, Joe Biden was endorsing the the border fence, 500 miles, 500,000 miles, whatever it was, 500 miles of border fence. So was Chuck Schumer. What happened? It's insane. Uh, I'm going to take a short time out so we can take some calls. one 408 7669 The horse thing's a farce. And the border, is saying the border laws, we need comprehensive immigration reform, has nothing to do with what we're experiencing right now. Then when we get back, what's going to be happening at hospitals? A way to solve the overcrowding in hospitals in some situations is to send nurses and doctors and physician assistants and, and orderlies home. That's what they're doing in New York and Massachusetts. Maybe your state, too. It's nuts. Back in a moment. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. But you can understand, when the president stands up there and says, we're probably going to open this up anyway, and you're saying, wait and see, there's some confusion. Are you going to recommend boosters for the general population? You know, I recognize that confusion. We are evaluating this science in real time. We are meeting, you know, every several weeks now to evaluate the science. The science may very well show that the rest of the population needs to be boosted, and we will provide those guidances as soon as we have the science to inform them. Okay, number one, this Dr. Walensky might be a nice person. I'm tired of her rating and thanking you for questions. I like that question. It's a very good question. Uh, this is a good question. Uh, I think that's a great question. Enough. Just answer the question. And how about the question that's asked? Margaret Brennan of Face the Nation say, what's going on with the mixed messages? I mean, when you see these Sunday show hosts get agitated at all these Biden officials, you know the stakes are high. They see the 43 or 42% approval rating. They also know in their day-to-day lives, this is a woman with two young kids under five. Can you tell me, am I somebody at high risk? Because I'm around unvaccinated children, and you say the children are now spreaders with the Delta variant. They have no answers. Can I go trick-or-treating? She has no—she goes, I think so, but don't go to a big party. So don't enjoy yourself, all right, at a big party. Why? We don't know. So booster shots, are they effective? Not according to some doctors, because you don't need them. Well, according to Israel— The durability starts waning after six months. On everyone, not sure, because older people are to wane quicker than younger people. Seems logical. Can I get somebody to test for for antibodies? Possible? No. But come out and think, if you're the president of the United States, and think you're going to do something positive to your polls by acting like you're in charge of the pandemic and blister people for not getting vaccinated. When you know these breakthroughs are happening at a dizzying rate, hospitalizations are less and symptoms are less, but people are making their choice. The numbers are high enough. We should be able to turn the corner and live with this. We can't do a New Zealand and shut everything down and pretend we're an island. So I find it a little disingenuous, to say the least. He says his vax plan is working, right? September 9th, he makes a speech, and he mandates everybody. I'm going to do these mandates. Have people, businesses with over 100 people, all uh, military, and you know all they're doing with federal workers. Okay. Do you know the, the number of booster shots, the rates went down since that time? Because the American people are like no other. They don't like to be told what to do when it comes to their own body. I don't know if you've read or been following the abortion debate. It's not been going well. Eric, listen to WDBO. Uh, hey, Eric. Brian, great to talk to you again. Uh, as somebody born in 1964, uh, we're the same age. This effect. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Both of us. Uh... You might have better info, but they keep bouncing different dates for Medicare to be bankrupt. I heard 2026, they're saying 2030. But you and I are at this age where they keep pushing Medicare and retirement back on us. Yep. I don't know about you. I've been paying in since I was 15. I've been paying Social Security for over 40 years, and they're letting people over the border and just getting money out of our coffers. Absolutely. And this goes, this goes back to Bill Clinton, that Social Security trust fund. There was no such thing. He just balanced the budget by stealing Social Security money. He paid the water bill with the electric bill money. You and I are screwed, brother. What's your input on all this? Well, I'll put it this way. I, I, I don't plan on getting it, uh, Social Security. But I will say this. It's, it's remarkably unpopular to screw with it because seniors vote. And also that's why they don't raise the retirement age. It really should go up. We live a lot longer. I think it should be 68, 70. But we'll never agree to that. Uh, we're a lot healthier now. That's our responsibility. By the way, um, BrianKillMe.com. You're an Orlando WDBO listeners. I'm going to be live on stage talking about my books, especially The President of Freedom Fighter, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and The Battle to Save America's Soul. BrianKillMe.com. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. But are you concerned that this could be read by China as a reason to feel more threatened? Do you think this puts a target on your back? Well, I believe it should be. And that's really our point. Australia has every right to take decisions in our sovereign interests, to provide for our defences, to work with our partners, to create a more stable region. That is Scott Morrison. He's got the keys to Australia, made a deal with the U.S. He's part of the quad that was set up under the Trump years to counter the rise militarily and economically of the bully, and that is China. And that is Scott Morrison deciding it's okay to, you know, ham-handedly throw their relationship with France in the street because they were building building nuclear subs that were taking way too long, and it wouldn't have been as effective as ours. They could have handled it a lot better. Therefore, they pull the ambassador for France does from Russia, excuse me, from Australia, as well as the U.S., and a lot of feelings are hurt, and they're giving uh, a $66 billion bill to Australia. So there's two messages here. Number one, why are we treating our allies so badly? Number two is the threat of China is so real to the people in the region, it doesn't matter if China feels threatened. They have to protect themselves. With me right now, a guy that lived that reality, former Secretary of State, CIA Director, uh, Mike Pompeo. Mr. Secretary, welcome back. Great to be with you, Brian. Good so, morning. So what do they see in the region that we don't fully comprehend here about the rise of China? Brian, this is this is indicative of what I think the Australians have seen and what every country in South China Sea and Southeast Asia has seen. Uh, Xi Jinping, the leader of the Chinese Communist Party, is intent on regional domination first and ultimately attacking the West, our very republic here in the United States. And I think Prime Minister Morrison saw that. I agree with you. Um, the, the way that they went about this was a, a little awkward diplomatically, but I am very happy 
that Prime Minister Morrison and the Australian people are now prepared to, alongside of us and all the other partners we will need to push back against the Chinese Communist Party. They, you know, they, they've, been a, they've been in a cold war with us for an awfully long time, Brian, and it's time we respond in a way that represents securing American freedom. You are the chief diplomat. I'm just saying from the outside, okay? If you call up France and you say, listen, we got these sophisticated nuclear subs. We're going to make this purchase. We see an urgency here. Try to get another customer for France. Maybe there was stuff that we could do. We don't want their businesses to suffer. They're an ally. Why? Not only do we have this historic friendship with France, our first ally, but we also need them to stay with us economically as we look to isolate China, stand with us in various things when it comes to the Middle East. By the way, they've been great on the war on terror. So there's things that can be done, especially with a leader that does that is so uh, so-called happy that Donald Trump's gone. You could have used some of that and softened yeah, the fall. Right. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, your point about the war on terror, too, the friendship and great partners in that. When I was a CIA director, I worked closely with them. Same same as my time as Secretary of State. I give them full credit for the sacrifices that the French people made as well and continue to make. Second, uh, at the very least, notice, Brian, at the very least, call them up and give them a heads up. It sounds like that was not done, certainly in a way that they would have respected and then you try and help them through the situation. If this was the superior outcome, if this was the best thing to push back against the Chinese Communist Party, then I'm glad we got to that place. But the way they went about it was just completely, you said, ham-handed. It was just a, a diplomatic faux pas. Last thought, uh, we need the entire West. We will need all of Europe, Germany, France, uh, Eastern Europe as well, to come to understand the threat from the Chinese Communist Party the same way that you and I do, Brian. They're going to have to come see that this isn't about Choosing between the United States and China, this is about choosing between tyranny uh, and authoritarianism on one hand and freedom, liberty, and uh, market-based trading systems on the other. No question. Uh, so there's a few things going on with China. We know the president of the United States, it takes forever through translation, I understand, but it had a 90-minute call with the head of China almost uh, two days after our terrible dismount from Afghanistan, which we'll touch on, at which time we've decided to pull back on a lot of our criticism and in turn for getting breaks when it comes to them buying into climate change. And then we've let go. Uh, we engineered the release of the CFO of Huawei in Canada, and the Canadians got their prisoners back. This is a major acquiescence, isn't it? This is, this is an outrage. Uh, the CFO of Huawei was involved in a set of activities to undermine our Iranian sanctions. Make no mistake about it, too. Huawei itself is endeavoring to steal American information each and every day. The Trump administration pushed back on this. Uh, one of the things we did was we found this CFO. We knew she'd violated U.S. law. At least we were, believe she did, and we were prepared to prosecute it. And the Biden administration just gave it up, showing that, that if you take hostages, which is what the Chinese did, they took two Canadians, the two Michaels, great, did great nothing. people. They did, did nothing. Did nothing, did nothing wrong. These were hostages. The Chinese Communist Party took hostages. And now, as, as the Biden administration did with the Iranians before, they've ba essentially paid for, to get the hostages returned. Brian, you know what that leads to, right? More hostages. If you're an American businessman thinking about traveling to China, now you know that if the Chinese have something they really need from the United States, that they're likely to go just take an American and just hang on to them for a couple of years until such time as the Biden administration folds to get them out. This is really dangerous. The other thing, Brian, that we saw this same week with China was the Commerce Secretary and the Biden administration said, we need to do more business. We, need, we can't let 
all this stuff get in the way. We need climate change to be a priority. Uh, you know, whether they're holding a million Uyghurs in concentration camps is, you know, it's just tough choice. Uh, this, this administration that does not appear to understand the reality of the threat the Chinese Communist Party poses to each and every one of us. They did leave your tariffs in place on aluminum and some other products, which I find uh, very interesting. They have reaffirmed your quad, which I'm heartened by. Which is fantastic. I yeah. agree, Brian. And the other thing is they don't ever bring up the Abram Accords. I'm afraid they're tearing that apart. That was such a major victory for you and, and for the Trump team. It's historic. They don't talk about it ever but they had to uh, – I understand. Saudi Arabia got uh, – had what I think are Patriot missiles to protect themselves against the rockets come in from Yemen. We took them back. So they went ahead and bought, a, bought our Patriot missiles from Greece to get them. Little by little, I'm concerned they're tearing apart your Abraham Accords, which were recognize Israel, will we'll provide you – and Israel wasn't thrilled with it – will provide you with missile defense and some military arms, and, and there'll be economic benefits, obviously – but are you concerned they're tearing that apart? I, I, I'm worried about it. But the good news on the Abraham Accords is I think the people of those countries, the Emirates, the Bahrainis, the Sudanese, the Moroccans, uh, I think they can see it's better for them. So I think they'll hang on to this tightly. But, boy, the conditions are bad for the expansion. of them. They won't so much as mention the name. There was a, a meeting in Iraq, of all places, uh, last week, Brian, where senior Iraqi uh, leaders from all of the various tribes and religions got together saying, we, Iraq, wants to become part of the Abraham Accords. And the United States had, through uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, the OAR guys, uh, issue a statement saying we didn't know anything about the meeting, essentially distancing themselves from an effort inside of Iraq to say, no, we want to become part of civilizational uh, reality and recognize Israel as the rightful Jewish homeland. It's, um, it's most unfortunate. It's also related to the cuddling of uh, the Iranians going to the Vienna to negotiate with this horrible guy who runs Iran, Ibrahim Araisi. You know, we're sitting in Vienna with someone who killed 5,000 of his own people and who continues to do that. Uh, the, the, I think they have a fundamentally different view of the Middle East. They think Iran is our partner and the Saudis are a real risk to us. Nothing could be further from the truth. Obviously, Mr. The former Secretary of State, our guest, Mike Pompeo. I just have to. My last question on China is this: As I'm reading some excerpts from Pompeo of from uh, the Woodward book, some of them are direct quotes. This is what I, I can't get my head around: China has infiltrated us on every level. They have great intelligence. Most of their uh, most of their students end up being spies. I mean, what they uh, pretend to what they're doing is so extensive. I just can't get my head around the fact that they actually thought. At the highest level, at the defense secretary level, that President Trump, who's stopping every war, was going to bomb them. And that General Milley had to talk them down twice. How, how could China have such great intelligence and reads on America and actually think President Trump was going to nuke them? Well, Brian, let, let me start at the beginning. This I've seen excerpts of this. Obviously, I haven't read Woodrow Costa's book. I I don't credit much of what I've seen so far. But suffice it to say, um, the the predicate for the claim that Woodrow Costa making that there was a crazy administration that we we didn't know what we were doing wasn't true at the beginning of the administration. wasn't true in the last weeks of the administration. I, I frankly think the last eight months of failed foreign policy proved that. But put all that aside for the second. President Trump never contemplated this. The, the Chinese would have known that as well. 
Well, did, was there something out there where the Chinese were worried about something they saw? We were aggressive. There's no doubt. We were we were driving ships up the strait uh, in the strait. Yeah. We were active in the South China sure. Sea, and the Chinese were very worried about that. We did the right thing. That was a, the deterrence model. I don't know where Woodward and Costa got their storyline, but I want the American people to know that this was not something that we were contemplating, but we were prepared to put back push back against the Chinese in every dimension. Absolutely. So I want to move on to this. This is President Biden last week at the U.N. We've ended 20 years of conflict in Afghanistan. And as we close this period of relentless war, we're opening a new era of relentless diplomacy, of using the power of our development aid to invest in new ways of lifting people up around the world, of renewing and defending democracy, of proving that no matter how challenging or how complex the problems you're going to face, government by and for the people is still the best way to deliver for all of our people. Is that the message people got from the way we left Afghanistan? I don't understand who wrote that copy. I can't get the way we left. I can't I can't get over because so many people are still there. We can't even look in our rearview mirror yet. But he wants to. And he thinks that's what we take away from the Afghanistan evacuation. No, this is divorced from reality in the most fundamental way. What you heard there was the exposition of the internationalist left wing view of foreign policy of the last 60 years where international organizations and uh, more money being thrown at these places was the solution when we, we know that the reality is that uh, people respect power. They respect people who are straightforward, those of us who are prepared to call out bad actors around the world. No, the, the message from Afghanistan was that the commitments we made to people uh, weren't going to be honored. And uh, sadly, I suspect that that's what people heard the president's speech at the U.N. It's worth noting he didn't mention China once during that entire speech. He's afraid. Uh, I have no idea why. Uh, I mean, in one hand, as we talk about the quad and we talk about building up, and he said he wants to focus there or whatever. I want to get to something else you're doing, and that is, even though uh, a lot of people point to you in 2024, it's first about 2022. You're a co-chairman of the National Republican Redistricting Trust. What are you, what are you working on? What do you want people to know about this? So along with Governor Christie... We are working to make sure that Republican legislators all across America, we saw what happened in the voting this last election. We know what the Democrats, through an organization controlled by Eric Holder and Barack Obama, did last time we drew boundaries for congressional races and school boards and city council seats. They litigated till they were blue, till they were Democrat. And the Republicans, we rolled over. We frankly played victim. We do not want that to happen again. So Governor Christie and I are out traveling and raising money to make sure that if you're a state elected official in a state where the Democrats are ignoring fair maps, they won't give Republicans a chance to compete, that we're going to have your back, we're going to have the resources, we'll provide the intellectual firepower and the money you need to make sure that Republicans have the opportunity. Because you and I both know this, Brian, you present good conservative ideas on a district with a fair map, we're going to win an awful lot. And you have, instead of saying, uh, look what happens if they get elected, we're seeing what happens. And now, right now, you saw a guy take over the White House with between 58 and 62 percent approval rating. Nine months in, it's at 42 percent. And that's without a, a Russia investigation that turned out to be uh, total folly. Lastly, the president of the United States packed house. Uh, he was, uh, it looks like he lost about 50 pounds. He looks happy again. But he said something that I think would have to worry 
uh, I guess, this movement and for those people who saw what happened in Georgia last time? When Stacey Abrams says, I'm not going to concede, that's okay. No problem. Oh, she's not going to concede. She's not going to concede. Of course, having her, I think, might be better than having your existing governor, if you want to know the truth. Might, might very well be better. Do you think Stacey Abrams as governor uh, is better than Brian Kemp? Oh, heck no. I think I think the president was Josh, and I, I don't think the president believes that. And it's hard to hard to see the no. Stacey Abrams is a bad actor. She does not want good things for the people of Georgia. Um, she she no more ought to be the governor of Georgia than she ought to be the vice president of the United States of America, which I think are her actual objectives. No, we need to do everything we can, not just in Georgia, but all across America. It's one of the, the projects Governor Christie and I are working on to make sure that we get good governors, good school board members elected in each of these places with a set of fair maps. No, uh, Stacey, Ray, Stacey Abrams is not my choice, Brian. But there are Republicans out there that are not your choice, too. But if, if you guys do not have a margin of error, if you don't unite behind a candidate. Uh, so uh, I just I'm, think I'm all, that that's I'm one all, thing I'm that Georgia showed winning. everyone. I'm all about winning. we got to win elections. You see what happens when Nancy Pelosi controls the House. They're about to spend $3.5 trillion of your money. When Chuck Schumer runs the Senate, same thing. President Biden has taken this country in a bad direction this eight, last eight months. We've got to win back the House. We've got to win back the Senate. We, we need more Republicans, more conservatives elected. We can fight amongst ourselves all we want, but at the end of the day, this is it's about shirts and skins, and we got to make sure we're successful. Right. That dates you, uh, because that's who we used to do, shirts and skins, <laughs> uh, all the time. Uh, and now you can do it because you're in such great shape. You can now oh, play, oh, the, you can play the Republican-Democrat <laughs> softball game without shirt. a shirt on. <laughs> Only shirts. <laughs> all right, Mr. Secretary, Mike Pompeo, right. thank you. So long, Brian. Back in a moment. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. How can DHS claim to have an independent investigation into these Border Patrol agents when the president says, quote, those people will pay, and you say the images horrified us? Uh, Jake, um, uh, I think uh, it's quite clear that what the images suggest horrified the American public. Uh, That is quite different than learning what actually happened determining the facts you are so incapable of doing that job you vilified border patrol agents you said the images are terrible the president said they will pay for this but has not shown any expression of exasperation and support that the border patrol must be feeling for the last nine months as a surge has happened at the border a border you have never been to nor do you ever speak about it was our drone team that exposed it meaning fox news drone team that exposed the bridge story and has been exposing what's happening at the border to the point where you had the faa perhaps or somebody underneath you ground it and now Mayorkas realizes he's on CNN, a friendly venue, and suddenly he's being called out for condemning people who have been overtaxed, overburdened, and underpaid since he took over and prior to that. And you need them to act above and beyond. And now you're vilifying them 
further destroying morale, and you got caught on CNN doing it. But we're going to have a private independent investigation. Yeah, I'm sure, with the President of the United States saying they will pay for this, and you saying we're horrified, and Maxine Waters saying it reminds us of slavery, which she saw, which, by the way, she never saw, unless something extraordinary happened. It was 180 years ago. Hey, go to BrianKillMead.com. Tell me what you think, and go to BrianKillMead.com and, and join me on the road. We got shows, Winning the War on History in Orlando, Ponte Vedra, in Charleston, West Virginia, and Clearwater, Florida. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. And this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hope you had a great weekend. It wasn't on Fox and Friends today, but I will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm going to be doing primetime tonight at 7 o'clock. Hope you can join me there. So 7 o'clock on primetime on Fox News. Meanwhile, this hour, I'm going to be joined by uh, Michael Goodwin. He's going to be with us shortly. Uh, Michael, as you know, writes for the New York Post, Fox News contributor, uh, so he's going to be here. And then Jonah Goldberg, who is a co-founder and co-editor uh, at The Dispatch, great new uh, newsletter that comes out, Deep Thinker. And he'll be with us uh, also talking about the, the power of Trump, uh, what is left, what is remaining, and what Joe Biden continues to do. And the most horrific thing is, and I think you'll agree, uh, vilifying those Border Patrol agents on horses, not knowing the whole story, but saying they will pay. They will pay. The people you saddled with the worst border policies in American history and have been overwhelmed from the day you took over will pay. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Starting today, all New York State health care workers must have at least one dose of the COVID vaccine or risk losing their jobs. Meanwhile, today's vaccine mandate for teachers and other Department of Education workers in New York City is on hold after the mandate was blocked by a federal judge. Uh, yes, uh, that is the massive vax mandates may sound good to a president whose patience is wearing thin with us. As of today, we might be seeing massive firings in thousands of medical workers, SUNY hospitals, SUNY professors in some states are prepared to be fired, too. Guess what? He's got a backup plan. This, this, uh, she has a backup plan, this new governor in, uh, in, in New York and one in Massachusetts. They're going to hire people from the Philippines and Ireland. Good job. Number two. Pelosi says that she's bringing the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan bill, to the floor of the House tomorrow for consideration. Are you going to vote for it or against it? I don't believe there will be a vote. I mean, the speaker, you don't think there's going to be a vote tomorrow? I mean, the speaker is an incredibly good vote counter, and she knows exactly where her caucus stands, and we've been really clear on that. The too. votes aren't there. She's not going to vote. The bring votes it up. aren't there. Wow. She promised the moderates a vote today. Uh, on the 27th, this is the week we learn if the Dems are going to get their socialist dreams, spending from cradle to grave and massive tax increases to boot. Keep an eye on the Virginia governor's race. It's too close to call. It's a toss-up now in a seemingly bluer and bluer state of Virginia. Why is that? Two words. Joe Biden. Number one. Of the 17,400 that weren't deported back or didn't return on their own to Mexico. How many have been released into the U.S.? Uh, they're released on conditions, yes. and, and uh, approximately, I think it's about 10,000 or so. 
12,000. Have been released. Yes. Yeah, it's a lot more. Suddenly you have the numbers. No horsing around. Mayorkas makes a bigger mess of the border than anyone thought possible. And massive caravans are on their way. Uh, his farcical responses and staggering numbers of illegals uh, let loose in America. Just another reason to believe Joe Biden's picked the wrong people and has the wrong policies for this country. And I'm going to talk about what your column was about because it's quite intriguing, Michael Goodwin. But i got to get you on this. Mayorkas yesterday was called out by, of all people, Jake Tapper, first and foremost, by the way he vilified those horse border agents without even knowing the facts, and the president was even worse. Well, look, uh, Brian, it is uh, policy, right? So when President Biden took that question at the news conference, it could have the question could have been answered in different ways. The question was, you know, you can't blame Trump for the chaos at the border. And he used that to seize on that controversial photograph uh, that has been misinterpreted clearly and to accuse the border agents of uh, wrongdoing. But in fact, the question could have been read, and, and I heard it, as there's a whole big mess at the border, and it's all on you. And that goes from not just the Haitians, but it goes to the, what, a million or so that are coming across virtually every month now. So he chose to focus only on that controversial and, I believe, wrongly interpreted picture of that one agent. Uh, and, and therefore skated by the larger question of the numbers of people coming across that border, Haitians and otherwise, who simply are using the, the Biden administration's soft touch to break the law and come into America, and Biden is basically granting them a form of amnesty. Yeah, and I guess more are to come. Listen to what George P. Bush, the Texas Land Commissioner, said he found out. Cut six. I have a chance to visit the border almost every other week. I've been doing so for, for many years, as, also as a former intelligence officer. And, and the morale couldn't be lower. Um, they need more support than ever. There's only, just to put this into context, Julian, there's 19,000 agents. Roughly half are focused on processing. And the other half are dealing with 200,000 apprehensions on a monthly basis, not to mention an estimated... 50 to 100,000, quote, gotaways that, that get to the border undetected. I mean, these folks aren't honored enough, and they have a president that's trying to divert away from uh, a crisis that he has created with his own policies. Yeah, what he's done, too, is allowed 1.5 million people to cross that we know of, not the gotaways. In 2020, it was 450. Uh, in 2019, all was under a million, which is too much. But President Trump was desperate to stop it. What they have found out, there's another Haitian caravan coming from South America uh, into Panama right now en route to here. Uh, now, now we're going to see a caravan in southern Mexico building it to 20,000. And, and Mexico will not stop them from coming through again. So I don't know if we have to build bigger bridges for them to hide under or if we should actually get a policy that works, especially when it's revealed, Michael Goodwin, that he got, was advised by his own people to leave the Trump policies in place, and the president decided it was too toxic to do so. So now we're stuck with two terrible policies, his border policy and his Afghanistan policy, and maybe a third when it comes to China. When you look at well, the Hunter— I, Bi Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, when— 
when you say too toxic, that means political, right? Yep. It's not about whether the policies were working. It's about whether the Democratic Party would accept them. And this is the, this is the failure of Joe Biden. He is a weak leader, and he is following, not leading. Um, you, you wrote a column today about the collusion with Russia, and people want to, and I always say this, and you don't fall into it, you never did. You look at the, a crack-addicted son that's in and out of uh, embarrassing his family for the last 30 years, at the same time being the breadwinner for his family for the last 30 years, getting maybe on his dad's urging, we don't know the full truth yet, involved in these international business deals that are mind-boggling, complex, even to read about him, let alone execute him. He's a lawyer, I guess. So from the Ukraine to Sweden to China, this guy's in bed with China. Why are we now we see Politico and another major magazine say, yeah, these look authentic. And they're coming out. This one political writer's got a book about uh, all these uh, emails and the links of Hunter Biden and the Bidens to all these Internet, all, all these inter- on these international deals. Why aren't we thinking that he's compromised when it comes to international relations then? the point, Brian, that, uh, yes, Hunter Biden is doing all these deals, some of them quite dirty, it would seem to me, but he's doing them under the protection of his father. Now, we have to ask at some point, isn't the father compromised by the son's engagement and his helping of those deals? And I would argue that Joe Biden is more compromised on China than Donald Trump ever was on Russia, just based on what we knew then and what we know now. We, Joe Biden's son has gotten millions upon millions of dollars from China. And the Senate investigative report last year did not get enough attention, but it found that $11 million had come to the Biden family and, and associates after this joint venture with, with China fell apart. In addition, the report found that some $28 million passed through accounts from a Chinese executive through accounts controlled by Hunter Biden. Now, someone involved in all this tells me this, may, this is why the money laundering issue be, became an issue, uh, because so much foreign money passing through the accounts, not really stopping there, but just passing through them, suggests something untoward. But the $11 million, we know at least they, the family got that much money. And this is the deal where Joe Biden was going to be a secret partner. He was the big guy who was going to get a 10% stake in this deal. Now, did he get 10% of the $11 million? Uh, If not, who got all the money? And what did they do for it? And did Joe Biden help them do it? Don't forget, too, somewhere Hunter says, my father makes him give me half my salary. To his daughter. Yeah, he told his daughter that uh, and said, I won't do that to you. But this is these are serious questions, Brian. And when the president 
removes the charges, drops the charges against Huawei, the Chinese telecom company. When he will not pursue the question of where the, where the coronavirus started, did it come from the lab in China? When he just walks away from these issues, you have to say, why? What's in it for America? Or is Joe Biden compromised? I think that, to me, is the question that's on the table, and I have not seen a convincing answer that he's not. Well, a couple of things. I mean, he just let the CFO out uh, and worked at that swap deal with the Canadians, uh, the yes. CFO of Huawei. We, we mentioned that. And then you have a situation where he had, does this benign report on the origin of the virus, no longer interested. He's no longer publicly condemning the million Uyghurs. And then in turn, you know what we get in turn? Acquiescence on climate change. They promised to the Chinese not to build coal plants in other countries. Is he kidding me? That's what we're getting back for him right. giving away all this leverage? Are you nuts? Exactly. And you have to say, why is he being so kind to China? Why is he giving them everything and really getting nothing in return? And to me, it's either just very bad geopolitical strategy or he's compromised that he can't. Because don't forget, all of the family deals with China, Xi Jinping knows all about them. He knows a lot more about them than we do. He certainly knows much more about Joe Biden's dealing with China over the years than, than the American media does. And yet... We don't know what he knows, and so therefore, perhaps he is pulling Biden's strings. Perhaps it is an, Perhaps they don't even need to discuss it. Joe Biden knows what Xi Jinping knows. He, Joe Biden knows what the uh, communist Chinese army and intelligence agencies know about his family. Doesn't that matter? Shouldn't that matter? Hunter Biden has said in some of his emails to the Chinese executives he was dealing with, this is from my family. My family sends you its best wishes. When, his when he said that, his father was vice president, and now he's president. Does, does his w use of the word family not matter to, to the media today? Imagine if Donald Trump did anything like that. Well, I'm going to add I mean, something else I didn't know. Do you know that Hunter Biden, the rookie painter who wants an exorbitant amount of money from people we don't know their names, do you know his art is now hanging in the White House? And do you know how much more uh, the art is now worth now that you could say it actually hung in the White House? It becomes almost a historic painting. It's unbelievable. And Joe Biden says, I don't know anything about my son's business interests. Uh, and, and, oh, we're, we're not going to be involved in this. We're going to make sure that whoever buys his art is anonymous. Well, what's to stop that person from telling Hunter, hey, I, I paid $500,000 for that garbage piece of art you did the other day. Would you please tell your father? Uh, if that's a, a, a Russian oil tycoon or a, uh, or a Chinese communist or, or anybody else in the world, what's to stop Joe Biden from knowing Who's paying his son all of this money just because it's his son? Of and course it, he's going to know. It would be crazy if he didn't know. It, Why would someone pay that much for the art if, they didn't, if, the, if, it, if the word didn't get to Joe Biden? And I'm listening to a New York Post columnist say this, and that's not unusual because the New York Post, along with Fox, was reporting this. New York Post leading the way. 
But now we're seeing Politico and other uh, other uh, other outlets doing the same thing, which means they got ver- they're verifying everything that we knew that the that Twitter wouldn't do and the Facebook froze you for doing. Now everyone's accepting that it happened. Maybe they're realizing they hired a guy that can't do the job and they want Kamala Harris to get it. And maybe that's why maybe this is the beginning of the end for Joe Biden. And that's sad yeah. that the media has this much control. You know, Brian, I, I, I would be more optimistic about what you're talking about if I thought that, say, Politico, which now has verified for its own taste uh, some of those emails, if it then took the next step and said, okay, but this is not really about Hunter Biden. This is really about Joe Biden. If Joe Biden, because one of the emails was the one that said Joe Biden, uh, the big guy, would get 10 percent. And Tony Bobolinsky, the partner, the CEO of that venture, said the big guy was Joe Biden. And he said he discussed the deal with Joe Biden. So if you are Politico, if you have come to the conclusion that the email is authentic, then you have to take the next step if you're really a journalist. Michael Goodwin, you are really a journalist and a columnist. Thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. one 408 7669 Then at the bottom of the hour, Jonah Goldberg will continue to expand this conversation. Hear what Peter Schweitzer said yesterday when we come back. Coming to you on a need-to-know basis because, man, do you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You could say, is this hyperbole? Well, the fact is, when you go through the emails, and we've been going through them, there's about 30,000 of them. Uh, we're doing it by hand. We're not just doing word searches. Uh, and what you find is there's plenty of evidence to support that Hunter Biden was paying Joe Biden's bills. Uh, we know that there were um, uh, contractors that were working on Joe's private residence in Delaware while he was vice president, and Hunter and his business associates were handling the payment of those bills. We know there things like a, a, a private phone or, or several phones that Joe Biden had while he was vice president. Uh, the bill was $300 plus a month. That was being paid by Hunter's business. So we know at least right. tens of thousands of dollars of bills thus far would been paid. And this is illegal. And that is just what Peter Schweitzer has found. But almost everything that Peter Schweitzer found has come true in spades when that laptop became available. And no one, including Hunter, denies these emails are real. And it links back to his dad. I'm not going to let that go. I'm just astounded that people are just discovering it. Uh, As if people are realizing now that Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl. Uh, Let's go out to Ben listening on WMRC. Hey, Ben. MNC, rather. Excuse me, in Michigan. Listen, um... What the biggest question I have concerning the Haitian refugees, we got now thousands more coming over here. Who's paying for all this? Who's financing this? I mean, I know initially we'll probably think the name George Soros, but there's got to be other people that are financing the uh, this onslaught of uh, refugees coming not only from Haiti, but other countries as far away as the African continent. So I think we need to look at that, too. Absolutely. And uh, by the way, we have a big event uh, coming up. Allison, when is that event? 
It we is have, in November. I'm, I'm looking it I'm up telling right you, now. Uh, yeah, right now. November 13th. If you go to BrianKinley.com, you can get tickets for the, the noise event for MNC. Yep, uh, in Elkhart, Indiana. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. How can DHS claim to have an independent investigation into these Border Patrol agents when the president says, quote, those people will pay, and you say the images horrified us? Uh, Jake, um, uh, I think uh, it's quite clear that what the images suggest horrified the American public. Uh, That is quite different than learning what actually happened, determining the facts, Yeah, uh, Secretary Mayorkas uh, ripped those Border Patrol agents who happen to be on horseback. President Biden says they have to pay. Uh, Vice President Harris, it's the worst thing ever. She realized she had a border. She had one cameo appearance down there. And now she wants to get answers. Maxine Waters called it worse than slavery that she claims to remember, which I believe was over 180 years ago. So does anyone interested in the facts? Because even as Jake Tapper pointed out, and I think Mayorkas was thrown because it was happening at CNN, that Jake jumped to a conclusion before he even had any answers, and now they want a fair investigation? Do you think that is actually fair? With me right now, a man who all, only knows fair and balanced, uh, Jonah Goldberg, editor-in-chief of The Dispatch, and he wrote about in one of his recent columns just about this. Jonah, it's unbelievable the way people jump to conclusions and set up a narrative about the most overworked, underappreciated people, arguably, in the country. Yeah, look, I find this whole thing, I mean, it's, I'm, out, out, I'm outraged on behalf of the CPD guys because I think they're being railroaded and it's really unfair. But I'm also just sort of embarrassed for the country because this is like, you know, it's, it's, this is not like even like the Rodney King video which it took months or years to see the full video in context or anything like this. This was something where the photographer said it wasn't what you think it looks like. You know, this is sort of like, this is like for, sort of for the woke left, a little bit like that. Remember, the, is the dress uh, blue and white or, or, or whatever and gold a few years ago, that crazy yep. thing on the yeah, internet? Yes, I saw that. Like, I think for woke people, they just saw a horse and black guy and they immediately, like, told on themselves by, 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 you know, spewing out their internal monologue about racism and, and all this stuff, which just didn't apply to this. And, and we knew that really quickly. I mean, we knew that, like, within hours of this, that they didn't have whips, that there was no whipping, that the whipping motion was actually how to get the horses to move. And the idea that, like, I mean, just be honest about this for a second. I'm against all brutality and all that kind of thing, but, like, even if they had whips, slavery was worse than that. You know, when Maxine Waters says that this was worse than slavery, she's actually minimizing how bad slavery was. Because this, even under the worst-case scenario, this wasn't that horrible a thing to say that it was worse than centuries of chattel slavery. People are losing their minds. Yeah, and another important point is they're trying to get into the country. 
That wasn't the case with slavery, according to reports from Maxine Waters, who was there at the time. Uh, these people are trying to get these here. These are people desperate to become Americans. You know, these are people who are desperate to have a chance to live free in America. Morally, that's just really different than a slave running away from slavery. I mean, it's also incandescently stupid. Um, and such an example of a moral panic coming out of nowhere, it's, I, I, it's just embarrassing and dumb. But the other thing is, Jonah, is the main – we have a major issue in our country. One point – I mean, the numbers are stunning. Over a million people have already come here illegally. Those are the people we know about, let alone the gotaways. And that's the issue. But instead of saying this is the issue, these are my policies, and this is what I'm going to do about it, they focus on border agents on horses. So it solves two things. It gets people outraged. It gives people on the left something to talk about. And it keeps their eyes off the real issue, and that is how many people have come to this country illegally. Where are they now? is the other big issue. So far, 1.5 million have crossed the southwest border. In 2020, it was 458,000, which is outrageous. In 2019, under a million. But we're, we're, this is, we're, we're in September. This year isn't even over yet. So the uh, Mayorkas being unable to answer these questions and Joe Biden never going to the border or bringing it up at all, just avoiding taking questions, this is... Uh, this is, I just think, flat out unacceptable to the point where they're getting tough questions on other networks. I want you to hear how. Uh, I want you to hear how uh, Meet the Press handled this. Meet the Press was once a place you had to be. You were, you, I'm sure you were on, but they were, uh, they were when Tim Russ was hosting. But anytime they sound, they sound like an MSNBC outgrowth instead of that Sunday show. Here is uh, Chuck Todd uh, with him. Do we have that? Yeah, cut one. So the performance of Border Patrol is the subject of an investigation, and the facts that are adduced in that investigation are going to be determinative. But I think the entire American public um, correctly and necessarily uh, were horrified by what the images suggested. They conjured up uh, such a dark past that we have not entirely put behind us. Did President Biden go too far when he said those folks were going to pay? Are they guilty before uh, before they're in investigation? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, the investigation is independent. We know how to conduct an independent investigation. I think the president echoed the sentiments of the public in terms of what those images suggest. I went on to say how the vice president did a public rebuke of him and published the letter, made the letter public, blamed Mayorkas for this outrage, but not for the outrage of 1.5 million people getting here illegally. And guess what? Another 20,000-member caravan is coming up through Panama. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, this reminds me of early in the Obama administration. Remember the beer summit? Yep. Where um, a Cambridge cop, um, you know, outside of Harvard, uh, um, you know, questioned Skip Gates, who's a very famous African-American professor at Harvard, and without knowing the facts, without knowing the details, uh, Obama jumped the gun and said the police officer behaved stupidly, and it became a thing, because it turned out the police officer didn't really behave stupidly, and, and Skip Gates got too angry about it. And look, I get being angry about you know, cops coming up to you in front of your own home. But this sort of feels a lot like that, is that too much of the Biden White House is on Twitter. Too much of the Biden White House thinks Twitter is real America. <laughs> and Twitter blew up about a couple pictures. And all of a sudden, they're off to the races saying that all of America is outraged. I guarantee you, 
all of America was not outraged by those pictures. And I do, and I do understand how you could look at that picture and say that looks bad, but it is all just a sleight of hand distraction from the underlying policy failure here. And that's because, in part, the Biden administration is caught in the switches. They know they've got to do something about the border, but the base of the party doesn't want them to do anything serious about the border. And so they're sort of in a damned if I do, damned if I don't situation. And so they look for these distractions, these social media idiocies to, you know, to take the eye off the ball and, and change the subject. And, you know, I, I, it, regrettably, I think it's working. So I think the biggest story is going to happen over the next two weeks, and that is if they're going to get this, the Democrats are going to get this cradle-to-grave spending uh, for preschool is going to be subsidized. You're going to substitute school lunches, elder care, uh, junior colleges. They're going to be expanding Medicare. If they get this 3.5, which is really $4.4 trillion deal, here's Nancy Pelosi with George Stephanopoulos, cut 16. I know the Budget Committee passed a resolution calling for $3.5 trillion, but it sounds like you acknowledge that the final number is going to be somewhat smaller than that. Yeah. I mean, that seems self-evident. That seems self-evident. And so it's, it's not just um, we have some, uh, shall we say, birdbath privilege kinds of things. It's legislation. So the fact is, is that this is the excitement of it all. It's just in real time and exploitation of a few people not in agreement being called a division in the Democratic Party. Everybody overwhelmingly, and I think even those who want a smaller number, support the vision of the president. And this is really transformative. I'll take that last word. It is transformative uh, and it would be substantial. What do you hear as editor of the dispatch who lives in Washington? What's the deal, Jonah? How's this going to play out? Well, it's sort of everybody's guess. I think that at the end of the day, you know, they're going to get something. I think they're going to get, you know, the traditional infrastructure stuff is ultimately going to pass um, and come into law. Um, I don't think we need that spending, but I think you can defend that spending. The, the, the question still remains is whether or not they can get everybody on board for the, the soft or human infrastructure, whatever we're supposed to call right now. And I'm, I'm skeptical. Um, I think, you know, they may get enough of a number that gives Biden a signing ceremony, which I think the White House would take right now. Um, but you have, you know, whether you're a big Freedom Caucus guy or not, um, a lot of people in Washington now are talking about how the, the there's a chunk of the base of the Democratic Party that sees itself as sort of like a Tea Party Freedom Caucus group that would rather say no to everything then, you know, make the good preferable to the perfect. And, um, you know, and I, 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 could, I could very well see these people shooting themselves in the foot politically by not passing very much at all or making it almost impossible to do it. So it's, just, it's really hard to game out. You saw Nancy Pelosi saying that on that same interview, the reason why she's delaying bringing anything out is she doesn't want to bring anything out that doesn't have the votes. Well, that's the problem is that, you know, she doesn't have the votes. <laughs> so, you know, no one can figure out what the hell's going on quite yet. So so I was in South Carolina over the weekend, and I was with Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott and doing a special, and we're going to hear from them a little bit later in the show. And and the question that they were getting from people walking up to them was, are you guys going to do anything to stop this? So obviously there were supporters and voted for them. And then I got that, too, from from New York. I said, guys, is there anything news of the day you want from these guys that I could bring back to New York? 
and they said, everybody wants to know if a Republican going to do anything is just going to stand by and watch. Jonah Goldberg, can the Republicans do anything being in, in, with a slight major- minority that they're in? Not really. I mean, it, it, you know, they're going to vote no, right? That's part of what they're doing. But there's not like, um, you know, the, the real pressure is on people like Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema because they're the ones who can prevent even using reconciliation. And in fairness to the Republicans, the only reason why the Democrats are trying to use reconciliation is because they can't get past the Republican filibuster on this. So, I mean, the Republicans have done something in the sense that they've made it harder for the Democrats to do this politically and, you know, procedurally. But, you know, it matters who controls the Senate. It matters who controls the White House. Um, and the Democrats do right now very narrowly. What, what I find so enraging about all of this is that this is the most narrowly held Congress, both in the House and the Senate, arguably in American history. And Joe Biden is coming in thinking that what he, the moment calls for him yeah. to be FDR. <laughs> You know, FDR had massive supermajorities in both the House and the Senate. He had, you know, incredible running room, and he won—Democrats won successive elections, 1930, 32, 34, ran up huge leads. The country was saying, do something about the Depression. Our economy isn't in a depression. We don't need this spending. And, you know, and Joe Biden's the guy who ran saying, I know how the system works. I know how to get things done. But he came in with this— crazy agenda, and then is shocked to find out that Republicans who are poised to take back the House and maybe the Senate aren't going to support it. He should know that this was a dumb way to do this. He should know that this was unrealistic and not how the system works. But he got spun up. He let himself get spun up by a bunch of people who believe this new New Deal nonsense. Mm-hmm. And um, and now he's stuck in this, in this no-win situation. Jonah, can I just make an observation? I gradually got you spun up. You started very level, and by the end of the conversation, you are so emotional now. I am worried. Are you driving? I am parked. Oh, okay. I am parked right now, but okay, I've been good. stuck in traffic, so that's part of it. So Stay I'm, out of his way. I'm, I'm full of, I have road rage. I appreciate it. John, it's going to be an exciting week. Uh, congratulations on the dispatch. I'm a subscriber. I was told that every time I say that, I expect you to go, Brian, we'll comp you. But you and Steve Hayes never say that. You want me paying. We believe in free market capitalism, my friend. <laughs> Jonah, thanks so much. Thank you, man. You got it. one 408 7669 I'm going to end with your calls. I see you guys up there. I know you have a lot to say, and we got a lot to say, too. This is something that's going to outrage you. Do you know hospitals in Massachusetts, uh, SUNY uh, system uh, professors in New York, they are now told stay home if you're not vaccinated. They're basically fired, fired for not doing something they don't want to do to their bodies. Back in a moment. Expanding your knowledge base. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Pelosi says that she's bringing the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan bill, to the floor of the House tomorrow. 
for consideration. Are you going to vote for it or against it? I don't believe there will be a vote. I mean, the speaker, You don't think there's going to be a vote tomorrow? I mean, the speaker is an incredibly good vote counter, and she knows exactly where her caucus stands, and we've been really clear on that. The too. votes aren't there. She's not going to bring it up. The votes aren't there. So I just, I, I don't think she's going to bring it up. So now she also believes that, uh, and we're talking about the reconciliation package. That's 3.5. That's the cradle-to-grave things we can absolutely not afford as pure agenda items, and it would be only for a small portion of this country that wants everything for free. Uh, and Democrats feel as though you give some people for free, they'll keep voting for you. They don't care about the budget. They don't care about the future. They actually want to double the capital gains tax. They want to up the corporate rate. Uh, and that's when you do that with the corporate rate, it just makes us less competitive. It's going to bring re- less revenue in. If you double the capital gains cash, uh, tax, you're going to stop the investing in that area. Money will go elsewhere. They think that these people have had it too good for too long. At least they mouth those words, but yet they beg those same people for don- uh, for donations. Uh, the rich, the powerful, the famous. Uh, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, Terry, listen, WSKY in Lake City, Florida. Hey, Terry. Good morning, sir. Um, I'm calling because if the vaccines are so important yes. and it saves lives and he's getting impatient with us, then why is he exempting the post office and staff in Washington? And what about their families and their children? Are they exempt also? Good, great question about the staff. But the post office isn't exempt. That was brief, uh, and they fixed it, which they call fixing it. I think they made it worse. But now they're telling in New York, the governor here and in Massachusetts, they're saying to the hospitals, all hospital workers get vaccinated, they are going to lose ten, uh, tens of thousands of people are just going to walk out because they, they have lost their jobs. So the governor says we have backup workers in the Philippines and Ireland they were just, one minute we're hailing them as our heroes through the pandemic. Now they're telling them, we're telling them to quit. Listen to this one woman, this uh, the CT scan technician, uh, this one man, John Matlin, talk on Fox and Friends today, Cut 41. Well, right now for today, I'm not set to show up. Um, so I'm, I'm currently going to be uh, supplying them with a religious exemption, and I, uh, I wait to hear from them as exactly how to proceed. But I know many coworkers are showing up. Um, and what they're going to face, they're really unsure. And I have to say, even for the health system itself, that they're unsure and they're in a really bad position from these mandates. And I could go on. I'm going to play you some clips a little bit later uh, for the, another hour in the show about people just no longer going to work. And they're not making a zillion dollars. They're not, uh, they're not heart, elite heart surgeons who make a million dollars a day. These are people that make eighty, dollars $100,000, and they live in a city that's extremely expensive. They can't afford to miss a paycheck. And they have kids in school. They don't have a job. Making things worse. That's what this president's doing. Making things worse. Uh, one thing will make it better if you come and visit me on the President of Freedom Fighter Tour. If you're in Orlando, Florida, WDBO listeners, uh, I hope to see you there. Point of Vedra almost sold out December 3rd. Go to BrianKillMe.com for Clearwater, Florida, December 4th. Charleston, West Virginia, November 7th. Winning the war in history the right way. See you live on stage. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox & Friends, it's America's receptive voice. 
Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, don't worry, I was not on Fox and Friends today, but no reason to panic. I'll be doing primetime all week and be back on Fox and Friends Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this week. Had a big shoot yesterday. I'm doing the uh, I'm doing a, a special for my book coming out called The President Freedom Fighter, Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, and the Battle to Save America's Soul. And part of the heart of this, obviously, the Civil War, and I thought it would be great, and it was Senator Tim Scott and Senator Lindsey Graham met me on a Sunday afternoon in Charleston, South Carolina, one-day shoot, in and out the same day, overlooking Fort Sumter, the number, the top battle, the first major battle with the Massachusetts, uh, with the uh, with the Massachusetts 54th Massachusetts uh, Regiment Infantry, and that was the first black, all black unit to fight in the Civil War, and they fought, lost 40 percent of their entire unit. But they fought so gallantly, so bravely. Recruitment went up from that day in, and we, uh, we the North was able to finish off the South. But to get those uh, a black senator and a white senator to talk about how far America has come, how they view the Civil War, is extremely special. This hour, I also said, guys, being that you're together, let's talk about news of the day. So you're going to hear from Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham from late yesterday afternoon. In a matter of moments, Mark Thiessen. But right now, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Starting today, all New York State health care workers must have at least one dose of the COVID vaccine or risk losing their jobs. Meanwhile, today's vaccine mandate for teachers and other Department of Education workers in New York City is on hold after the mandate was blocked by a federal judge. Oh, wow. Uh, The massive vax mandates may sound good to a president whose patience is running thin with his people, like us, as if today we might be seeing massive firings as thousands of medical workers in New York, Massachusetts, and cops and other states and professors are preparing to be fired because they don't want to take the shot. What a mess. Number two. Pelosi says that she's bringing the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan bill, to the floor of the House tomorrow for consideration. Are you going to vote for it or against it? I don't believe there will be a vote. I mean, the speaker, you don't think there's going to be a vote tomorrow? I mean, the speaker is an incredibly good vote counter, and she knows exactly where her caucus stands, and we've been really clear on that. The too. votes aren't there. She's not going to The votes aren't there. Wow, and that is part of the squad uh, saying they will not vote for the $1.2 trillion bill that the moderates said, I'll only agree on the 3.5 if you pass the 1.2. Are you following all that? Bottom line is, doesn't seem there's going to be a vote today, which means Pelosi broke a word. This is a week where we learned if the Democrats cradle to uh, grave agenda, socialist dream will come true. I hope beyond hope that it won't. Number one. Of the 17,400 that weren't deported back or didn't return on their own to Mexico. How many have been released into the U.S.? Uh, They're released on conditions, and and, uh, approximately, I think it's about 10,000 or so, 12,000. Have been released? Yes. No horsing around. Mayorkas makes a bigger mess to the border than anyone thought possible. And massive caravans are on their way. His farcical responses and staggering numbers of illegals let loose in America. Just another reason to believe that Joe Biden picked the wrong people, has the wrong policies, for this country, which happens to be my favorite country, and I would hearken to believe Mark Thiessen feels the same way. Former chief speechwriter for George W. Bush, for Washington Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Mark, welcome back. Good to be back with you. Hey, uh, Mark, these numbers uh, are just stunning to think who has already crossed the border right now already. 1.5 million. That's not even counting the gotaways. 2020, we had 458,000, and that's disturbing. That's just at the southwest border. Do you believe 
that anything is going to change for the least rest of the year to stop this massive immigration, illegal immigration, because it is now starting to hurt this administration? So, no, I don't. And first of all, so Mayorkas said yesterday, basically, he has no idea how many Haitian immigrants were released because he said, well, 10,000. Could it be 12,000? Could it be more? And he's like, yeah, it could be more. So he has no idea. And that's just the Haitians. So I did a little digging into the numbers, Brian. So the Customs and Border Patrol official figures are that they've that they've apprehended about 421,000 people this year. Now, I've seen in the media that they've apprehended a million. So I doubt these doubt these numbers. But of that, these are the official statistics. They have released 217,547 people in the last six months of those 420 something apprehensions. So they're releasing more, according to their own statistics, they're releasing more than half of the people who are apprehended at the border are released and are supposed to come back for their uh, for their immigration hearing. Axios reports only about 13% ever show up. So we're releasing hundreds of thousands of people into this country uh, who are crossing the border illegally. They're economic migrants. I have nothing against economic migrants. I want think we should have more economic migrants as long as they come legally, right? But they're posing as refugees. We now have actual refugees from Afghanistan who, who are uh, coming here because they're actually escaping a regime that wants to, wants to slaughter them, right? And these people are fake refugees. And we're filling up the entire asylum system with cases of fake refugees when we actually have real refugees who want to come into this country and and uh, who didn't want to leave their homes right didn't want to come here and and we've got these patients many of whom have spent 10 years in chile you know what are they escaping in chile they've already found refuge chile is one is a is probably the most prosperous democracy in in south america what's wrong with chile they they're 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 not escaping anything they're not refugees so this this whole thing is a mess. Griff Jenkins was just on the border. He's just on with people from Ghana. Really? <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm thinks. I guarantee you, America is better than every other country on the planet because we have a system. I don't love our immigration system. I think it'd be a lot easier to, with green cards, uh, making sure our first round draft picks that were training in these schools have an opportunity to stay here and use some of their expertise that they can only get uh, in the our university system. I'm all for that. But until you secure the border, we can't get out of the blocks with this with this conversation. Listen to Mayorkas uh, try to answer Chris Wallace's questions. Cut 10. Haven't you given them a reason to believe there's a reasonable chance if they come into this country, they'll end up being released into the country and have months or perhaps years to stay here? Chris, this is nothing new. Uh, We've seen this type of uh, irregular migration many, many times uh, throughout the years. I don't know if uh, Governor Abbott said the same thing in 2019 uh, when there were more than a million people encountered at the southern border. Uh, It has gotten worse. Just the the statistics of of your own department show that the flood of people coming illegally across the border has gotten worse under the Biden administration. So I wouldn't call it a a, a flood, Chris, if I if I may. What what is he even saying? I mean, first of all, the statistics are clear that this is the worst, uh, the worst flood of illegal immigration into this country since Bill Clinton was president in 2020. Okay, I mean, in 2000, rather. Uh, Last year, CPB statistics, last month in August, 104,411 people were apprehended at the southern border. Those are the ones who were apprehended, not the people who tried to cross illegally who might have made it 
Those are the people who are apprehended. This is unprecedented in our country. The, I mean, we have over a million people who've been apprehended this year uh, by Customs and Border Patrol. To put that in perspective, you know how many people were arrested for burglary last year? 151,000 wow. in the entire United States. So 151,000 illegally entering people's homes, over a million arrested illegally entering the country. So pretty significant. And add to that the gotaways, the criminals, the terrorists, and the drugs. And how much money these human traffickers are making, the drug cartels are making. So everyone's profiting. America's losing. And it's all because Joe Biden's afraid of his left wing. The other thing, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, because I think that people are realizing the head fake, which is these uh, Border Patrol on horseback. They've immediately banned the horseback as a way to... Uh, as a way to control the border so nobody can use horses. And they took the agents involved and they told me you got to work at the desk. Okay, really? You jump to conclusions that you think you know. And I was kind of stunned to see, of all people, Jake Tapper uh, absolutely have no patience for what he was seeing at the border. Here's Jake Tapper going at it with, uh, um, you want to roll it? Yeah, cut seven. Some of the initial descriptions of those images were just patently false. There's now video out there that provides more context. Uh, having seen the video, uh, are you certain that there was actually wrongdoing? I am going to let those investigators make that determination, and then that determination will drive the outcome of the investigation. I've worked very closely with the men and women of U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Got it. And he goes and kisses their butts. But that wasn't what he said. Now he's realizing he's he's asked backwards with CNN of all places. But remember, he said this. I do want to uh, address uh, the images uh, that um, emanated from uh, Del Rio, uh, Texas, over the last several days and correctly and necessarily uh, were met with uh, our nation's horror because they do not reflect who we are as a country. Oh, that should be a fair investigation, don't you think? Well, here's what, here's what Joe Biden said. He said, I promise you those people will pay. Yep. There is an investigation underway right now, and there will be consequences. So he is presuming the outcome of the investigation. There, here's the problem with that, Brian. He's in the chain of command. <laughs> He's in charge of the Border Patrol, right? So in the military justice system, that's called unlawful command influence, when a superior officer uses or even appears to use his influence to, to to direct the outcome of an investigation. He sent a clear message to the people who are investigating this case through his public words. I want these people to be punished. So they cannot have a fair investigation. If this was the military instead of the Customs and Border Patrol, they would, their case would, could be thrown out because of unlawful command influence by the president. This is why we, we had to be so, – like I could never say when I, during, during, when I was writing speeches for President Bush, I could never refer to Khalid Sheikh Mohammed as the mastermind of 9-11 because there was a, there was a, uh, a trial going on uh there was plan that was going to be going on and the president was in the chain of command and so he had to we had to phrase it in a way that didn't presume that he was guilty because otherwise it would be unlawful command influence so it's the same thing with what biden is doing here with with these border patrol agents he, he is presuming he is making public statements that are biasing the investigation because the investigators have now been told by the president of the united states these people have to pay it's nuts. Uh, by the way, not, good news is not coming. Up to 4,000 migrants, most of them Haitians, have passed through the treacherous jungles of Panama. 
uh, on the Colombian border as they make their way north and they're coming to the United States. There we go. Um, also, uh, they have another 15,000 that are coming our way, too. So we have people coming from everywhere down south. A group of Cubans are on their way as well. So we have no—our Border Patrol agents are overworked. They're undermanned. They are now being ridiculed. The morale is it's in the basement, justifiably. And now more are surging because word came out that this is the immigration president— And the the Remain in Mexico policy is not being exercised. One of the reasons, no one even talked to Mexico about it. So he's got no relations with the Mexico leader. He already insulted him before he took office by saying it was a violation of international law. So now he doesn't have cooperation anywhere. No, exactly. And so Mallorca, so the Supreme Court has instructed the Biden administration that they have to enforce the Remain in Mexico policy. And Mallorca says, well, we have to negotiate with the Mexicans. To do it. Well, first of all, it was in place. The Trump had negotiated. He had used the threat of, of, uh, of uh, tariffs to get the Mexicans to enforce their own border and to accept the Remain in Mexico policy. What's Joe Biden going to do? He, the Mexicans don't want to do Remain in Mexico. They were forced to do it by Trump. Joe Biden doesn't want them to do Remain in Mexico. So what's his leverage? What is his negotiating? And by the way, who's negotiating? Where's, is Kamala Harris in Mexico City this week? negotiating that? Has she been on the phone with the president of Mexico? Has Joe Biden spoken with the president of Mexico to try and get this reinstated? They're using Mexico's desire not to implement the policy as an excuse to get around the Supreme Court ruling and say they're just going to say, well, we we want to enforce it, but Mexico won't cooperate. We can't make Mexico do something. So they're they're literally hiding behind diplomacy because because we're now in a new golden age of diplomacy. America's back. uh, Yeah. Uh, Lastly, I just want you to hear from uh, from a scan technician, a CT scan technician, one of the many who have to quit their jobs today because they're not or get fired because they don't want to get vaccinated. Cut 41. Well, right now for today, I'm not set to show up. Um, so I'm, I'm currently going to be uh, supplying them with a religious exemption. And I, uh, I wait to hear from them as exactly how to proceed. But I know many coworkers are showing up um, and what they're going to face. They're really unsure. And I have to say, even for the health system itself, that they're unsure and they're in a really bad position from these mandates. So the mandates have thousands going to be fired today. And the governor is making moves to bring people in from the Philippines and Ireland to take their positions in the Sunni system as well. Uh, The Massachusetts Police Union says dozens of state troopers have quit because they don't want to get the vaccine. Uh, And they have a union backing them up. So about 1,800 are gone. Is this really how President Biden's going to bring us together? You know, look, the, the vaccine man, the mandates backfire. We want to get everybody vaccinated. Everybody should be vaccinated for their own for their own health. Um, but this is this is this has the opposite effect because it turns it into with something that should be just a medical issue into a political issue. And, it turns, and, and it's just hugely unfortunate. You know, one of my my old boss, Don Rumsfeld, had a saying, free people are free to be wrong. Right. And the vaccines are safe. Uh, if you're, but if you are, un, if I'm vaccinated, and the, I believe the vaccines work, and I'm working with somebody who is unvaccinated, they are no threat to me, because I have a hundred percent protection against against being against death or or hospitalization, or serious illness, practically a hundred percent. I might get the sniffles, but I could also get the sniffles if they have a cold. I, I am safe, so the unvaccinated are no threat to me. They are a threat to themselves. 
they are making a very, very poor health choice. But people make poor health choices all the time. They have too much to drink. They get cirrhosis of the liver. They eat, they eat poorly and, and die because of, because of obesity and all the related illnesses. People make bad – people smoke. You know, we're not going to fire people because they smoke. So, you know, I mean, it's 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 a really, really dumb decision not to get vaccinated. I'm sorry to have to say it. Terrible for the president. Bad tone for the president and these governors. Mark, always great to talk to you. you Appreciate it. Take care. You got it. Uh, We'll be back with your calls in just a second. Bottom of the hour, Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, Brian Kilmeade show. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Well, look, I think that the criticism has been that it looked messy. Um, The process, though, was designed to create conflict. The process that we use intentionally creates conflict between FDA and CDC because you want that process to be highly deliberative. You want it to be slow. You know, a slow, deliberative process that creates conflict that's visible to the public isn't optimal in the setting of a public health emergency where you need to move quickly and you want to show that public health officials are unified. And that is uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He's going to be on with me at seven, on the 7 o'clock show at primetime. He's got a book out. And, uh, you know, he worked in the Trump administration, kind of overlapped, and has been an advisor to them as the pandemic hit. And I found him to be remarkably uh, accurate, uh, unlike a lot of people were with. But uh, he's talking about the mandates. He's talking about bullying people into taking something they're not comfortable with and don't say they're uneducated or Neanderthals are playing politics. There's legitimate reasons why people object to having it. And Dr. Scott Gottlieb should be giving advice, but I should not be. I'll tell you what I did, but I should not be giving you advice, uh, nor should Anderson Cooper or Wolf Blitzer. I think it should go from a, to come from a doctor. So when we come back, you're going to hear my interview with Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham. I talked to him about the president of Freedom Fighter. So I have a book coming out, which you could get and see me on stage. Go to BrianKillMe.com. It's going to be out November 2nd. But I also talked about news of the day, the two senators from South Carolina making a huge impact. And by the way, big Trump supporters. Uh, You'll find out what they think about what's going on in the world right now when we come back. And then we'll finish up with more of your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everyone. Appreciate you listening. By the way, just quick note, uh, the President and Freedom Fighter are coming out, but the, the special is going to be November 7th, Sunday at 10 o'clock. But the President and Freedom Fighter is Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass from the Battle to Save America's Soul. Thought it would be great to go to the state that was the first to secede, to two South Carolina senators, one black, one white, with uh, dramatically different upbringings and different experiences to talk about how far America came. It's going to be part of the special and I think really tells a lot of the story of the book, Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, what they were experiencing in America at that time. But then before we were done, I wanted to say, hey, uh, you know, especially Tim Scott just coming from a Sunday show, Lindsey Graham just coming from a major event in Michigan for the Republican Party there. He's trying to give 
Uh, some very important Republicans, a boost in that state, which is a must win for Republicans if they ever want to get back to the White House. And, of course, gets the governorship, makes it easier. We talked about everything. Here's a, here's a look. Just picture this beautiful sunny day. We're in a gazebo right in the middle of uh, the battery overlooking Charleston Harbor. Two bills are going to be uh, flying through the Senate and the House. That's the infrastructure, the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the, and the $3.5 trillion we don't want your Republican vote bill. First off, on the bipartisan bill, uh, Senator Graham, you're one of the 19 that are for it. What do you tell the House? Uh, if you link the two together as a Republican, I'd vote no. Nancy Pelosi, stop holding that bill hostage. Tim's criticism of the bill, I completely understand. I'm trying to move the ball forward. I think yep. we need money for roads, bridges, and ports. Is it a perfect bill? No. But the $3.5 trillion bill... Uh, changes America as we know it. It makes a big step towards socialism. I'm hoping Manchin and Cinema will not go for the big bill. They'll have some place to land if it gets through the House. If you do the 1.2, I'm hoping moderates in the House and the Senate will feel like they don't need to go to three and a half tree in time will tell. Right. So you going for the 1.2, Senator Tim Scott, you do not go for the bipartisan bill. What don't you like about it? Well, uh, $256 billion of debt and part of what I hear in the bill, Lindsay's 100% right. Roads, bridges, airports, ports, waterways, we're all for that. Mm -hmm. I'm just not for the the debt that comes along with it. And I wonder how we're going to go to someone's house, knock on the door, and get the the pandemic money back in order to pay for the bill. I I don't think we're ever going to see that happen, so... Because the bill says $550 billion of new money, right. uh, and the rest is repurposed pandemic money. Yes, and so I have a problem with the pay-fors. Lindsay's 100% right. We need the money for our roads. I think we could have stopped around $800 billion, and you would have had all of our support. That didn't happen. Um, I wish it would have happened. Shelly Shelley tried to do that. Yeah, that's right. And, that's right. And, it, and we didn't have the appetite for it. I will say this on the reconciliation bill that is really important. We spend so much time talking about $3.5 trillion dollars that the cost is overwhelming the content. The content that Lindsay just talked about is bringing in, ushering in socialism in a way that's gonna be hard to unwrap. It's hard to unscramble an egg. And what they're doing with this three and a half trillion dollar package, the content rushes us towards socialism because they start giving money away, more money to families, more money into middle class America, a, a, a basically a healthcare option that seems like, looks like, and talks like a public option. There are lots of policy writers and positions that we haven't spent a lot of time discussing because the monstrosity of three and a half trillion is so terrible that we haven't spent time on what's actually in there. You can just take a 10-year bill and make it five years and get to three and a half trillion down to one seven two trillion. The content, however. Right is terrible for America. Can you be more than a bystander? Because right now there's, there's a well, majority in the I, Senate I and House. I can do Number one, Tim uh, is a good spokesperson for the 3.5 is really 4.2, but it's the content. Uh, uh, mandatory paid family leave. Sounds good. Well, everybody in business is going to pass it on to the consumer. This three and a half trillion, four trillion dollar bill is an inflation bomb. Yes. It's got nothing to do with roads, bridges, and ports. It's yes. about human infrastructure, which is bigger government. Free college, free this, free everything. I've been up here since 1994-95. This is the biggest threat to the way our government works and the biggest step towards socialism in my lifetime. So when I talk to Democrats about 1.2, if some of them can land there to avoid the three and a half trillion, I'm willing to take the heat for that. Time will tell. I'm hoping moderates in the House on the Democratic side know that if you vote for this monstrosity, you're not a moderate. 
that you're going to take inflation to a new level. And I'm hoping Cinema and Manchin, who've been great to work with, will understand that the content of the $3.5 trillion bill is not about infrastructure as we know it, it's about socialism. Lastly, this border, on the border right now, uh, Mayorkas says at least 15,000 Haitian immigrants are going to stay. They're in our infrastructure. There's another caravan coming up. Anything Republicans can do to stop it? A lot of people are frustrated that you guys haven't done more to start it. And basically, the Fox drone team has done more to educate the American public. Can you, should you guys be doing more? Well, I think we should use our voices to speak out. I, I've been talking about the importance that this is another Biden crisis, the Afghanistan crisis, the economic crisis, the taxing crisis, and the humanitarian crisis that's at our border today is of his making. Uh, we should be speaking out loud and clear about that important position that we're taking against what we're seeing at our border. I, I miss the days when President Trump was talking about building a wall and completing it. That's a really important ingredient in keeping our America as safe as possible. We have to shut that back door. And Biden has literally said, if you talk to folks who come here from Haiti, what they have in common, they consistently say, Biden has sent the message that your borders are open, so they're coming. Uh, that is something he can stop instantly. Well, I think politically, uh, I agree with what Tim says. We can define the issue better. I'm going to do a sense of the Senate resolution with Tim and others thanking the Border Patrol for their service, not demagoguing uh, the men and women of the Border Patrol. We should be introducing legislation to change our asylum laws and see if we can get a vote on it. We should be doing everything we can to push legislation that would fix this problem and make the Democrats say no. We should turn this into a referendum on who you want in charge of the country in 2022. There's a perfect storm brewing, Brian for a major terrorist attack in America, and here's the two combinations. Terrorism on the rise in Afghanistan and a broken border. It's just a matter of time to Al-Qaeda gets a big foothold in Afghanistan, and how hard would it be to flow ISIS, Al-Qaeda types through the southern border to kill a bunch of us? That is coming unless we change policy. Well, you can come from Haiti, you can come from the Middle East. Yes. Absolutely, you got hundreds of countries. And Afghanistan, how many people left behind? Oh my gosh, that, that is such, such a disgusting, picture to see is America leaving Americans behind and all of the allies, Afghan allies, that we made commitments to, breaking our promises. And then last week, hearing the House members talk about not funding Iron Dome, the, jeopardizing our relationship with Israel. How many times can this administration literally jeopardize our strongest and most important allies around this world? So, so let's, let's, let's tie the two stories together here. We're talking about how to define the Civil War and who to honor and who not. And uh, the left is trying to marginalize anything and everything uh, uh, on, the, on, the, on one side. Where are the voices of the left in 2021 about women being denied the ability to go to school, about a woman have to basically live in a garbage bag, can't go out and, 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 and uh, interact among people. This is in 2021. So the people who want to beat me up for being a South Carolinian because of my ancestry, where are you in today's fight? I acknowledge that my ancestors got it wrong. Why can't you acknowledge it to recognize the Taliban, to play footsie with these people is just absolutely morally offensive and national security dangerous. So what amazes me is how mankind seems to make the same mistakes over and over again. Because what's going on in Afghanistan 
a hundred years from now, people are going to look back and say, what kind of people allowed this to happen? Joe Biden, you were told by the military, if you leave, the place could collapse and all hell's going to break loose and women are going back into the darkness and they're going to throw gay people off houses and they're going to kill what's left of the Christian community in Afghanistan. So I find it really interesting and dangerous that we live in a time where the world is openly talking about, should we recognize the Taliban? Ridiculous. Lastly, you have a shot at Milley this week, Senator Milley and Secretary uh, Austin. Yeah. Uh, you're on Armed Services no, Committee. No. You're not? No. Okay, so you're not going to be on that committee. What questions would you have for him? Do you believe that Mark Milley was trumped uh, by the President of the United States? Do you believe this were his policies? Do you believe that it was Secretary of Defense Austin's policy? Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to ask, uh, if I were on it. What recommendations did you give to the President? Uh, Chairman Milley wrote me a letter. I asked him questions about what would happen if we pull all of our troops. Would ISIS come back? How could the government hold together? That letter is classified. I'm trying to get it unclassified. Here's what I know. It's not Trump's fault that we pulled all the troops out of Afghanistan. It is Biden's fault. It's not the military's fault, general's fault, that we pulled all the troops out of Afghanistan. It is Joe Biden's fault. So I'd want to make sure that the American people know no matter what Joe Biden is telling you, President Biden, he was given sound military advice, keep Bagram open, don't withdraw, and he turned it down. I want that story to be told. I think it's important to lay blame where blame lies, and it lies with President Biden. Uh, and those uh, hearings got to be this week, and we're going to get some answers on that. And it's the last thing this administration wants is Afghanistan back in the headlines. But it should be back because we never had anything so embarrassing and damaging long term that took place that was totally preventable, like something that we just witnessed leading up to 9-11, which tarnished uh, the entire event 25 years uh, from when uh, 20 years from when they hit. Meanwhile, when we come back, I'll find out if there's more to know. Also take your calls at one 408 7669 The good news is preparing for a show at 7 o'clock tonight. I hope you can watch 7 o'clock Eastern Time Primetime. Also, the President Freedom Fighter Tour for WDBO listeners. I hope to see you in person November 21st. For WOKV listeners, I hope to see you in Ponte Vedra, Florida, uh, December 8th. Uh, also, for our Clearwater affiliate, Saturday, uh, December 4th, I'll go right from uh, Ponte Vedra, make the, dri- uh, make the drive to Clearwater. I'll enjoy every second of it. And then in November 7th, it's coming up quick, Charleston, West Virginia. So I'll be able to go back to West Virginia uh, actually for the second time in my life, which is a beautiful place, a lot of open land. Special thanks to Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham. Remember, November 7th, you'll see that special. You'll listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show back in a moment. Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, 1-866-408-7669. Just finishing up this hour. Again, I'll be on at 7 o'clock tonight on Primetime. Hope to see you all there. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. Well, remember that chaos on uh, The View on Friday where all of a sudden the vice president couldn't go on. They didn't know how to vamp. They had to fill in two hosts tested positive, they found out, on the COVID-19 test, on the rapid test. Well, it turns out both hosts did not have to leave. There was no crisis because they had false positives. 
Anna Navarro and Sonny uh, Hostin or Houston, whatever her name is, uh, she, they left for no reason because they got a false positive test. How many times does that happen in the rest of America? I, I mean, the false positives happen pretty more often than you'd like to say. It's amazing that w- how did they time it for the, like from a producer's point of view to get the test to get the results once you're already on the air. Unbelievable. That's what's like unthinkable. It is too. And terrible by the way, producing. Is there do all the producers that they have? Nobody came up with a better idea than take questions from the audience, and the audience had no mics. What show has no backup plan? Right. Or even, okay, maybe one segment, but for the whole show, it, it was brutal. It was like, a, I feel like it'll be a course one day in like a journalism school, what not to do on live TV. Exactly, but that's not journalism, the Plus view. Journal, that's you fair, fair, not put fair, the view up there. A communication Get free coffee deals on Wednesday for National Coffee Day at Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, Panera, and more. Nobody has the coffee at Panera Bread, right? I generally don't, but apparently at Panera, I put the specials there in case, you know, you want to inform our listeners of how to get the free coffee. But right. at Panera, apparently, parents get free coffee. Oh, so if you're not true? a parent, you're not getting free coffee. That's true. You <laughs> don't want people eating right without parents. Uh, one thing about Panera, you can actually eat healthy, right? Their food is good. Yes. Uh, 60% of Americans choose coffee each day over any other beverage. Next. Tunnels to Towers 5K run, a remarkable success. 30,000 people showed up. Uh, the route honors the moment. Stephen Siller abandoned his truck and ran through the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. Stephen Siller Tunnel Towers Foundation is coming off a huge, uh, huge recognition after uh, Frank Siller worked, uh, walked from Washington, D.C. to Shanksville over to New York to raise awareness to Tunnel for Towers. Uh, it is one of these organizations that just works. Yeah, here it says over 30,000 people. I heard somewhere else this morning 35,000 people ran in the race. Wow. Next. Staff at MSNBC are panicking over their new leader, Rashida Jones. Evidently, I'm not sure panicking is the right word, but staffers say recent meetings with Jones and her boss at NBC uh, and their the new chief, Cesar Condi, have focused on hard news with execs boasting of ratings wins over CNN, such as the summer's congressional hearings uh, January 6th. That makes some employees nervous because they feel as though they got major problems because Rachel Maddow, their number one star, has been now down to one day a week. Uh, she goes, Rashida's love for hard news and insiders said, pointing to the executive's past roles guiding MSNBC daytime coverage. She doesn't really get what prime time does. I hope they never figure it out. Well, they really haven't figured it out that well. But the, I mean, Rachel Maddow is the only one that gets like six, some success. But they beat CNN. I didn't even know yeah. the problem. I mean, don't, shouldn't you be aiming for us? One would think, but there, there's no way. I mean, they're just in a different universe. They're so far to the left. That is true. Next, Billy Eilish. Now, you have to help me with this. Uh, I did not watch this conscious. Eilish uh, did not, but she, got, she interrupted her own performance at the governor's ball performance uh, to call out security. Quote, security, why, are, why aren't you paying we, attention? Do you want to hear it? We have it. We actually have it? We have it. Security, why aren't you paying attention? Wow. Yeah, How insulting, by the way. I They're would probably agree. guarding her 24 hours a day, driving around in SUVs. And then she's up there. She's sitting on some high wall. Apparently, she saw some sort of scuffle in the audience and didn't think they were doing enough, but nothing was then confirmed as if anything happened. Um, it's really cool, by the way, to put down security. I, you never do that, ever. Ne- ever. Next. 
Simone Biles says she should never she should have quit before the Tokyo Olympics. She's 24 years old. She said she buckled under a range of stresses. You know, she just got one bronze medal. She said she should have quit before Tokyo. Larry Nasser was uh, was in the media for two years. Uh, she told New York Magazine it was just too much, but I was not going to let him take something away from me that I worked for since I was six. I was going to let uh, him take that joy away. Uh, but the diminutive Texan said she knew her withdrawal from Tokyo was inevitable after she developed a case of the twisties, a severance of communication between mind and body. Uh, Biles said she still struggles with her Olympic resignation. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm perfectly okay with it. Like, that, like that's how it works. That's how it panned out. And then other times I start crying, uh, bawling about it. I just feel terrible. Yeah, I think when she was describing what she went through in her testimony, it made total sense. She needed, she goes, no fans, no family. She needs some support system. She's all alone, a naked arena. She sits there by herself performing, and it feels like practice with her teammates. And to take away, I mean, for, I understand COVID, but with like USA Gymnastics, the Olympic Committee, knowing what those girls had gone through and to take away their support system, it's just so irresponsible. Right. I mean, but they did make rules in Japan that you couldn't bring anybody. They you know, because, yeah, they were almost trying to cancel it. So that was the... That was the issue. But look, everyone thinks she's the best ever. She's going to make a ton of money in endorsements. She handled it in a classy way. I think she should be fine about it. But she's a competitor. That's the problem with athletes. Uh, they want to win all the time. It's not a problem. It actually will help her in the long run. See you tonight at 7. Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.